You're listening to Preaching Source, a ministry of Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary's School of Preaching. I'm your host, Professor Barry McCarty. Our guest today on Preaching Source is Dr. Andrew A. Bear. He is the lead pastor of Paramount Church in Amarillo, Texas, and uh, he is a dear, dear friend. Uh, I had the pleasure of working with him recently at the Southern Baptist Convention, where he was the chair of our Committee on Order of Business. And so uh, he and I have been down into the thick of it together, handling all the complicated details that uh, have to be looked after in order for the Southern Baptist Convention to take place. Uh, so we are delighted to have him here. Uh, he holds a EDD degree from Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Leadership and Spiritual Formation, which is an area that uh, we're going to touch on a little bit here today as we talk to him about expositional preaching. So, uh, Dr. A. Bear, welcome to Preaching Source. Dr. McCarty, great to be with you. Well, let's get started. First of all, uh, let me ask you, why do you believe that preaching must be expositional? That's a great question. I think uh, there are really two pieces that I would give you. First of all, has to do with my view of the nature of Scripture. So if the Bible is indeed inspired and infallible and inerrant and authoritative and sufficient, then we have to preach it. And Expository preaching, I feel like, is the best way to declare our belief in in uh, the truthfulness of Scripture. We believe it's the revelation of God, and it's completely true. In fact, Tim Keller, uh, in his little book on preaching, said that expository preaching is the clearest way to demonstrate our conviction that the whole Bible is true. And so I preach expositionally because I, I believe in the authority and the sufficiency of the Word of God. I believe that when I step into the pulpit with the Bible, that the people are going to get something that they could not get if I was just giving my opinion about this, that, or the other. Uh, I don't feel like my people really want to to know my opinions about this, that, or the other. I think they're there to hear a word from the Lord. And so I stand under the authority of the word of God when I preach expositionally. But the, the second reason that I preach expositionally is because of my understanding of the nature of the task of preaching. Uh, to be a preacher, a K. Rooks uh, is a herald, is someone who communicates the, the message of a king. And our job is to declare that message, not decide what that message will be. And so our job in expositional preaching is to open up the text and allow it to speak for itself and to faithfully communicate a word from the king, to be a, to, to be a herald. And so I think if, if you really understand that that's our calling as preachers, then, then we must do exposition. Now, in, in your doctoral studies, you, you focused on leadership and spiritual formation, and most of our listeners are pastors who are conscious of the fact that they, uh, they're responsible for leading and feeding their church. Uh, a, a pastor who devotes himself to expositional preaching, how, how does that benefit the church and, and benefit his leadership of the church? Sure. Well, it provides a steady diet of the Word of God, first of all. It, it keeps the pastor from jumping onto hobby horses. And sometimes in our sinful nature, there's a desire, if there was something that happened with a church member on a particular day, is a desire to kind of browbeat that, that member from the pulpit. Expository preaching keeps you from doing that because you're going to preach with whatever's in the text. And that, that, by the way, is also a protection for the pastor as well. 
uh, but it, it essentially keeps you from, you know, having that soapbox that you always stand on, and it, and it allows you to, to begin to feed your people a steady diet of the Word of God. If you commit to preach through the Bible, your people are going to be spiritually fed, and, you know, I think expository preaching requires a, a pastor to trust in the sovereignty of God, that the Spirit of God will take the Word of God and apply it to the people of God for the reasons that they need to hear that Word in a particular moment. And I think if you, if you have an approach of felt needs preaching, that puts a lot of responsibility and pressure on the pastor to accurately figure out the felt needs of the church. I pastor a large congregation. I, there's no way that I can tell all the felt needs in the church. God can read the audience better than I can read the audience. And he knows what the church needs better than I know what the church needs. And so I'm just trusting as I preach book by book that God's going to take that particular passage and apply it to the spiritual needs of the hearers on particular days in ways that they need to, to hear it. And sometimes, you know, you come to a, a, a certain passages of, of a book of the Bible and you think, how in the world, you know, is, is God going to use this to speak to anybody? And it's amazing. He always does. And there are times, you know, when I preach a, a message and I sit down, and I think there's no way that that spoke to anybody. And someone will come up and say, how did you know that's exactly what I needed to hear? And uh, the answer is, I didn't know that, but the, the Spirit of God knew that. And uh, by just preaching through the Bible, giving them that steady diet of, of Scripture, um, I'm really trusting that the Lord is going to use that in their lives in a particular moment for a particular reason. I think the other benefit, uh, Dr. McCarty, of expositional preaching is that you actually teach the people how to read the Bible for themselves. In other words, you're modeling a particular approach to understanding the Bible. And my hope would be that somebody who sits under my preaching ministry over the years would learn how to read the Bible uh, in a faithful way because they've heard a pastor faithfully expose what's in the text. All right, there's something I, I, I want to make sure that we back up a little bit because this is a real jewel that I want to make sure we capture because there, it, it's a, I don't know if it's the dominant philosophy of preaching or approach to preaching, but it's certainly a very popular one. Uh, that that you begin with the felt needs of, of people, and you can you can open up your you know Sunday paper and look for ads for churches, or turn on the TV, and and there are a dime a dozen pastors who appear to be starting with with the felt needs of of the people. But I want to capture that statement. But but you said instead to trust the sovereignty of God. Give us that sentence again. That was beautiful. Well, I don't know if I can replicate it, <laughs> but I'm trusting in the sovereignty of God. I, I'm believing that the Spirit of God will apply the Word of God to the people of God in a particular moment. And so, you know, I really do believe that. I think that <clears throat> if I approach the, the pulpit from a felt needs perspective, then what's going to tend to happen is I'm going to talk about the subjects I'm most comfortable with or I'm most passionate about. And so I might preach, uh, you know, seven tips to a healthier marriage or, you know, something else like that. If I'm a marriage guy, if marriage ministry is my passion, then you're going to hear a lot of marriage sermons. If I'm an adoption guy, that's my passion. You're going to hear a lot of sermons on adoption. Expositional preaching keeps you from just going to your natural passions or your natural strengths. It forces you, in other words, to deal with the breadth of the Word of God and all of the topics that the Word of God covers. Mm. 
One of the things we really push our uh, students here to consider uh, in preaching classes is preaching through whole books of the Bible. Is that you? Would you affirm that approach? Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, well, talking about seminary learning, uh, let me ask you what what's the most important thing that you think a a preacher can learn while he's in seminary? Uh, what What's the most important thing these seminarians could, could learn? That's a really difficult question to answer. You know, I don't know that I could boil it down to just one essential thing. The seminary curriculum is intentional. And I, I know the curriculum at Southwestern, as, as is the case with all of our Southern Baptist seminaries, it's a fabulous curriculum. And so, you know, concentrating on the Word of God, um, concentrating on theology, on church history, all of those things are, are essential from my uh, experience and having had three theological degrees, I think the weakness that I've, I've noticed is sometimes the focus is so much on, on head knowledge that students lose their passion for the Lord and the fire goes out while they're gathering sticks. And so I would say to a seminary student, you know, watch your heart as much as you, you watch your head. Um, one author said, you know, don't get a big theological brain while having spiritual heart disease. Uh, my prayer, you know, for any seminary student would be God use the seminary experience to stir their affections for the Lord. And that, that the focus is not entirely on theological knowledge. That's very important. But at the same time, a seminary student is stirring up their affections for the Lord. They're really focusing on their heart that, that, that hopefully at the end of their seminary experience, they're going to love Jesus more when they leave than when they came. And I think one of the reasons um, that, that students miss some of that is because a lot of times in a seminary context like this, they can get into a seminary bubble and they isolate themselves from the local church. And so I think that's a real weakness in, in some seminary students' experiences as they come to class and they're around, you know, believers all the time. They're learning about the Bible and they think that that's a substitute for a vibrant participation in the life of a local church. And it is not. It is not a substitute. And so I would encourage any seminary student, make sure that you're plugged into a local church, that you're serving in a local church and you're paying attention to the heart as well as the head. Mm. All right, Andrew, I, I know that that you have two things that are uh, that you're very passionate about and one of them we've been talking about this this text driven expository preaching but I also know that you're you're uh, very passionate about gospel preaching uh, well every text in the bible isn't about evangelism uh, but how how does a preacher faithfully uh, be true to the to the substance and the structure and the flow of the biblical writer's thought in a given text, and yet be gospel-centered in his preaching? How, how do you, you do that? How do you pull that off? Yeah, it's a great question. You're right. I am very passionate about that. I, I've come to a conviction that we have to preach in a Christocentric manner. Uh, Tony Morita uh, wrote a little e-book uh, that I read one time that, that uh, just put it really well. He said, make the hero of the Bible, Jesus, the hero of every message that you prepare. And that challenge really stuck with me, that the hero of the Bible really is Jesus. Uh, but I've got to make the hero of the Bible the hero of every message that I prepare. So how do, how do we do that in a, in a manner that's faithful to the intent of the, the text? I think there are a couple of things to keep in mind. Uh, first of all, you know, I think, <clears throat> Dr. McCarty, that when we're 
preaching expositionally, we're trying to discover the intent of the author. And so, for instance, a Walt Kaiser, you know, wrote toward an exegetical theology. He would say, if you're preaching an Old Testament text, you're trying to discover the intent of the Old Testament author. Uh, you, you know, for instance, you, you wouldn't want to read Jesus into a text where he's not there. The problem I would have with that approach is that there are two, two authors of every biblical text. There's the human author, but there's also the divine author. And if we just focus on the intent of the human author, then we may miss the forest for the trees. We need to keep in mind the fact that all there's a unity to Scripture, that there's a divine author putting the story together. And therefore, uh, we have to, to think about what's the intent of the divine author in placing this text into the whole, which means really what we're looking for is... Uh, you know, how does this particular book of the Bible, even though it may be in the Old Testament, how does it fit into the big picture of the Bible, this big story of redemption, this picture of redemption that God is painting through the scriptures? And so I think we need to ask that question. And if you ask that question, it's going to lead you to a Christocentric approach. The other question I think that, that we're very concerned with as expositors is the question of context. How do you deal with a particular paragraph or section of scripture in its context? And so a lot of guys who, you know, would critique a Christocentric approach to exposition would say, well, you know, that you're not being contextual. Why are you preaching Jesus from Haggai? Haggai didn't know about Jesus, and there's nothing about Jesus in the context. But I would say that a Christocentric approach to exposition would say, uh, you want to look at a paragraph in the context of the particular book in which it's found, but you also want to look at it in the context, the broader context of Scripture, in other words, I think that to deal with uh, a passage, uh, any, just take any Old Testament passage, to deal with it really contextually, dealing with it just in the context of its own book is not contextual enough. You have to zoom out and see where this passage fits in the context of the whole canon. So to deal with a text contextually, you have to deal with it canonically. And to deal with it canonically, you're going to have to deal with it Christocentrically. You're going to see how this particular text fits in the whole and how God is using this to ultimately point us to the gospel. So there are a lot of ways, I think, to do that faithfully. Um, you know, particularly when you're preaching the Old Testament, I think you want to ask questions such as, uh, where does this passage fit in uh, the redemptive historical timeline? You know, this great grand redemptive narrative of creation, fall, uh, redemption, new creation. Where does this particular passage fit? So if you're preaching, you know, about the giving of the law in Exodus, you need to think about how do I situate this in the big storyline? And if I was going to preach the Exodus story, if I was going to preach the giving of the law in Exodus, I would probably take my people at some point in that message to Hebrews chapter 12 and contrast Sinai and Zion. Um, I'm trying to fit that story in its greater context, the canonical context. I think you can ask questions uh, like this. Is there a point of comparison or contrast? So if you're preaching about David, there are a lot of comparisons with Jesus. There are also some contrasts. And so if I was going to preach a story, the story like uh, the story of David and Goliath, for example, rather than moralizing the story, where essentially the exhortation of the message is for the people to uh, trust the Lord and go out and fight, fight the giants in their life, to, to deal with that passage Christocentrically would say, 
you know, as you think about that story, who are you identifying with in the text? Are you like David or are you like fearful Israel who needs a hero to come fight your battle for you? And then you follow after him after he's won the battle. And obviously that point of comparison uh, points you to the gospel. Is there an explicit or implicit reference to the Messiah in the text? Uh, are there illusions um, to, to Christ? Are there types or foreshadowings? Um, you know, all of these types of questions, you can ask those questions when you come to any given text, and it's going to allow you uh, to approach the text in a Christocentric manner that's also f- a faithful exposition. Uh, Sidney Gradanus, uh, excuse me, Graham Goldsworthy, uh, wrote a book called Preaching the Whole Bible, as Christian scripture. And if I could sum up that book, I think what he's saying is we have to read the the Bible left to right, but there's another sense in which we read the Bible right to left because we have the full revelation uh, in Christ. Hebrews 1 tells us that. And therefore to read uh, the Old Testament without thinking about the gospel I think is like ignoring part of the revelation that God has given. And, and by the way, you see this example in scripture. Um, Jesus took this approach at the end of Luke, you know, with the, the disciples on the road to Emmaus. He started with Moses and the prophets and took those and showed how those things pointed to himself. You see with Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts chapter 8, uh, the Ethiopian eunuch reading Isaiah and uh, Philip coming up in the chariot with him and explaining to him that this is actually about Christ. So what you see the, the early church doing is they're rereading the Old Testament in light of the gospel. And it's, it's shaping, reshaping their understanding of the meaning of those texts. Uh, Andrew, uh, have you always throughout your ministry had this, this laser-like focus on text-driven exposition, or was there a turning point that, that changed your approach? Well, I grew up in a church, an independent fundamental uh, Baptist church. I'm talking about the real kind, you know, the King James only kind and this and that. And um, I wasn't ever exposed to biblical exposition in my church, but I got it on the radio. I used to listen to Adrian Rogers and Tony Evans every morning on the radio throughout uh, late childhood and in my early teenage years. And so that really, that kind of preaching was so different than what I was hearing in my church it really captured my attention. And so I always wanted to preach like that. And uh, the Lord led me to Criswell College as an undergraduate student. And there is where I learned how to preach. And they teach how to do expository preaching. So from the time that I, I started my ministry, I was committed to it. Now, the, the Lord has continued to refine that. I was I look back at some of my early sermons, and they're, they're pretty hideous. You know, I wish I could redo them. Uh, so I wasn't, and, and I still continue to, to you know, sometimes have those kind of sermons where I look back and think, well, I really didn't do a great job with that. You know, my goal is to become a better expositor, but I've, I've been committed to it pretty much for my entire ministry. Now, you mentioned uh, listening to Tony Evans and Adrian Rogers. Uh, who, who are some of the other preachers that you uh, enjoy listening to? Well, I listen to a lot of preaching. I think it's really important as a pastor to hear the Word of God taught from other men. And uh, so I listen to, to friends who pastor and preach, but uh, a few of the guys that I listen to on a regular basis, I love Mac Brunson. Uh, he's one of my favorites. That, that man just preaches with a passion for the Word of God that's contagious. Um, I listen to Clint Presley, who pastors Hickory Grove Baptist Church in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. He's a great expositor. Uh, I also listened to a guy named Ralph Douglas West. Ralph Douglas West pastors the Church Without Walls in Houston, a great African-American church in the city of Houston, a great expositor. And then um, 
I actually listen uh, to, to Joel Gregory quite a bit as well. Joel Gregory used to teach at Southwestern, uh, I think back in the 80s, and he pastored First Baptist Dallas and Travis Avenue here in Fort Worth, uh, and now teaches preaching at Truett Seminary. But Joel is is one of those great expositors. He's, he's like Adrian Rogers with that voice. You know, he's got th- this great booming voice and just a great orator, but a, a faithful expositor as well. Um, Andrew, what can you describe for us your your own sermon preparation process? How how do you go about it? How do you plan them? Uh, how 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 do you do that each week? Well, I th- it starts with prayer, you know, and just asking. Uh, I'll have a, a book of the Bible that I'm preaching through. I'm preaching through Romans right now, so I'm in Romans right in the middle of Romans chapter six this Sunday, and so I know the text I'm going to preach. Uh, that helps, but 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 before I begin my sermon preparation. Every week, I'm, I pray and just ask the Lord to, you know, speak first to me through His Word and change my heart uh, with what I'm reading and learning, but then also to give me insight into the text. And and then I start by reading the text over and over and over again. And, and I was taught how to do that in college, you know, and how to read, paying attention. And I read somewhere that John MacArthur, I think, reads the text through 50 plus times uh, before he preaches it, something like that. And the more you read, the more you observe. You're just taking notes about what you're seeing. And then the first step for me, after I've read it several times through, and for me, that's usually five or six times. I'll read it five, five or six times through and just make notes about what I'm seeing. The first step for me is to find the structure of the text. And that's true regardless of the, the genre or the testament or, or, or what have you that I'm preaching. If I'm in an epistle, I'm going to find the structure. That's usually fairly easy. But if I'm in an Old Testament narrative, I also want to find the narrative structure. And, and finding that structure really uh, gives me an ability to, you know, it's really a, a, a place to uh, under a container in which you can understand meaning, I guess is the way I would put it. And so structure is very key. And then I want to, I want to do the exegetical work. So I'm wanting to understand how phrases function together, what particular words mean, all of those types of things. I'm just doing all of this this work and writing down everything that I'm learning. And all of that is to bring me to a point where I understand the meaning of the text. And uh, there's a great book, uh, Power in the Pulpit. It was the first book on expository preaching that I ever read by Jim Shaddix and Jerry Vines. And they talk about the CIT, the central idea of the text. And you ought to be able to write it out in one sentence. So I try to do that. Sometimes it's more than one sentence, but but a short, you know, concise, clear understanding of the text in a sentence or two. And then I want to take, you know, what I've learned about that text and I want to situate it in the, the whole story. So like what I was talking about earlier, I want to understand how this text fits into the whole. How does this text ultimately point us to Christ? So if I'm in Song of Solomon, for instance, which I'm teaching on Tuesday nights right now to college students, I want to see, you know, how, where are the connection points to Christ in this story? How does this ultimately point us to the gospel? And then I'm going to, I'm going to write a sermon outline and, uh, Usually that takes several drafts, but I want to make my outline essentially parallel with the outline of the text. And so whatever that structure of the text is that I discovered, that's going to flow right into my sermon structure, my sermon outline. Then I'm going to work on illustrations. I'll do uh, introduction and conclusion last, and then essentially it's done. And I'll read through my, my notes. I have fairly detailed notes. It's not a full manuscript, but it's pretty close. And... So I'll read through that again and again and again. Uh, Thursday is my sermon preparation day. And so uh, I'm working on the sermon all day Thursday. Friday, uh, I'll, I'll read through it. I'll work through it again. Uh, I'll leave it alone Saturday until Saturday night. And then I'll take it up Saturday night, read through it again, work through it again. And then I do the same thing Sunday morning. 
and I preach through it in my head while I'm getting dressed Sunday morning, and then I'm ready to go. Uh, you mentioned uh, Vines and Shattuck's uh, Power in the Pulpit, which, by the way, I, I use as a text in Intro to Preaching. It's a great preaching text. What are some of your other favorite books on preaching? Well, as a graduate of Southern Seminary, you know, one of the requirements for graduation is you have to swear an oath that if you're ever asked that question, that you'll, of course, mention John Broadus. So, uh, you know, I, I cut my teeth on John Broadus uh, as a Bible college student uh, more than 40 years yeah, so ago. It's, it's an old book, but the treatise, treatise on the preparation and delivery of sermons is still excellent. Um, you know, there's standards like Haddon Robinson's Biblical Preaching, great book. Um, two or three that I would mention that I, I really enjoy. One is a little book by Tim Keller called Preaching. And uh, I, I didn't mention Keller earlier when you asked me who I listened to, but I very much enjoyed Tim Keller. He's a great, by the way, a great Christocentric preacher. Uh, but his book on preaching is uh, excellent. Preaching and Biblical Theology by Edmund Clowney is very good. I really enjoy that. Uh, the Ancient Text and the, uh, the, the Modern Preacher and the Ancient Text by Sidney Gradanus is excellent. Um, another book that I really enjoy, it's not on preaching in, in particular, but I actually would recommend every preacher to read it. It's called The Elements of Eloquence by a guy named Mark Forsyth. And, you know, preaching, there are rhetorical elements, there are oratorical elements in preaching. And I think sometimes that's neglected, particularly under, uh, in my generation, millennial preachers. We don't pay atten- much attention to that. But uh, that book, Elements of Eloquence, it's very short, very succinct, but very clear, easy, very accessible. And uh, I would recommend any preacher, if they want to work on the art of crafting their sermon, their outline, the words and phrases they use, you know, how to turn a phrase, uh, black preachers are the best at this, you know. Uh, One reason I like Joel Gregory is because he has the ability to turn a phrase, and this book on eloquence really helps with that. Our guest on Preaching Source today has been Dr. Andrew A. Bear, lead pastor of the Paramount Church in Amarillo, Texas. Uh, Andrew, thank you for being with us today. It's been a joy. Thank you.